from that. If you've got your Bibles with you today, can you turn to Luke 3? And we're going to start at verse 21. Don't worry if you've not got your text with you today, I will read it for you. Right, okay. This um, piece of scripture here is described, or the heading is, the baptism and genealogy of Jesus. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice from heaven, uh, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph. Now there's, uh, there's a record of the names uh, uh, of his father's. It's what we call the genealogy, and it traces um, the, the birth of Jesus right back, not just to Abraham, but to, to God. So if you look at the, the Gospel of Matthew, the uh, genealogy there just traces Jesus back to Abraham, and that's the Jewish nation. But what Luke does here, he points the reader right back to God. And that's a really significant and important point. But I'm, just, I'm not going to read the whole of these names out, because... First and foremost, some of them are really difficult to pronounce, and there's, uh, there's, there's quite a few of them. Um, so I'm just going to pause there um, for a moment, and I will get back to that. So this week, I have had a really busy week at work, and I've been on a course. Now, some of you know I work in a bank, and part of my um, working in a bank is I have a uniform and a position and a role to play. The uniform gives me an identity that identifies me with HSBC. It's a very distinct uniform. It's grey and red at the moment. And uh, we were gathered together at the Hilton Hotel, which is really very nice in town. And the whole of the bank, there's, there must be 2,000 employees in the UK in the retail business that have to go on this course. And it's called Being at Our Best. And um, the, the course, I mean, I'm mid-50s now, so I've been on lots of courses uh, in different sort of um, areas, in different ways, and sometimes we can get a little bit um, cynical or a bit bored with courses that we have to attend. So I sort of went with this um, pre-sort of disposed position of, I'll get through the day with as little pain as possible, with not really having much input and just sort of rolling along nicely, thank you very much. And um, so that was how I entered the course. And the, the hotel was lovely. Has anybody been at the Hilton Hotel in, in the centre of Nottingham? It's really, really nice. Very plush, very nice. And we were in this room, and we were all gathered together from different areas of the bank. So we'd, we'd got people from what we call global transitional change, because we're going through a change as a bank. And uh, people who cashier, who work... Um, in different sort of areas, in commercial, in corporate. Uh, we didn't have anybody from private bank, but, but they gathered us all together with one purpose, and the purpose was being at our best. And what, what made us gather together as a group was our identity. We are identified as working for the bank, and that's why we were there, and that's part of my identity. Now, when I joined the bank, I was definitely not a banker. Let me tell you this much. I don't have GCSE maths or A-level maths or anything like that. And this is the blessing of God in my life. So people think, because I'm a banker, that I'm really, really good at maths. I'm not bad, but I'm not great. But God has gifted me for a purpose and a season 
of this time in the bank. So when I say I'm a banker, people think I am intelligent because God has said that I am intelligent. But they do think I'm uh, sort of an accountant and a banker. But I'm not. have different gifts and I bring a different gift set to the bank. But I am a banker. So when you ask me or you say to me, that's nice what you're wearing, I'll always respond in sort of pounds and pence. And it wasn't until quite recently that Joy said to me, that's, that's a nice car. I said, well, it was this much from this place. And she said, you know, you shouldn't do that. I said, because I'm a banker, I started to think in lines. And over time, been in the bank 13 years, and over time, my identity as a person has slightly changed because I now I'm a banker. I know how banking works, I know how it operates, money in, money out. I know all the cons that people try and um, con you out of money. I know all the frauds, you know, most of the tricks. And um, this course really has been birthed out with the fact that HSBC were found to be trading with um, drug lords in Mexico. Now, this is common knowledge. You can get this information, so I'm not breaking any confidences. Um, sort of in the public sphere and they were fined 9.2 billion US dollars and um, so we have had we've had sanctions put on us and it's all to do with um, sort of drugs and um, sort of money laundering people trafficking and all of like all things like that (laughs) so the point of this course the very beginning of this course it was all about our responsibility and our role in what we do and actually asking the right questions and actually bringing the challenge because of what, what happened in this situation was the people in positions of responsibility didn't actually ask the right questions. So instead of this firm that we'd opened this business account for was turning over what they said was two million, it, it turned 50 million in six months. Well, the questions were not asked. So as part of our identity and our brand as a bank, we were gathered together and the course was called being at our best and and what it was trying to say to us was to ask the right questions and to do the right thing even though it went against the rule book and strategy and our regulations so we've had a massive change in HSBC because what we're trying to do is regain the confidence of our customers and in that um, part of the course we talked about triggers and being inside our box and actually, our identity sometimes can place us in a box. And we're then stuck in that box. So, for example, most people identify me with blonde hair um, or straight blonde hair or really, really curly blonde hair. So, depending on where I feel and what, what I'm thinking or how I'm feeling will determine how I actually present myself. So, in some context, um, I might present myself as... Um, you know, sort of a, a really hip and trendy person, which I think I'm pr- pretty hip and trendy. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's what I want to hear. People often don't realise that six years from now I'm going to be 60 and I've got eight grandchildren because you don't see a load of children around me. So that part of my identity is often um, not seen, let's say. Um, if I'm amongst my family with all my children around me and, and my grandchildren are saying grandma or, or, you know, granny or whatever, then people identify me like that. So part of this morning's message is all about being identified in Christ. And I think it's really important that we don't stay in the boxes that people have put us in. Actually, we get out of the boxes. And this course talked about triggers. What triggers put you inside that box? And once you're inside that box, you're actually pushed in, pressed down, and you're restricted really in what you can do. But I want to tell you this morning about a guy called Jesus who will enable you 
to get out of that box. Whatever identity or words spoken over you that people have tried to set upon you and distinguish you with, Christ Jesus, our Lord and Saviour, can actually help you break out of that box and that identity that people have spoken over you. Amen? Amen. When I first got saved... Um, when I first became a Christian, when I first said, yes, Jesus, I'll put my trust in you, um, my identity was completely shattered. What they did in my house, I'd got, had had some pictures done, you know, like you have family pictures or you have your photo taken and you put them on the wall. With, they had cutting up ceremonies, they cut up my clothes, they threw out my records, they actually wiped clean the whole of my house. Now, let me qualify this. They did this for a reason. It wasn't because he wanted to destroy me. It was because he wanted to set me free from things that had put me in a box. I behaved in a certain way. You know, I was told if I was a good girl, then people would like me. So you have to put a definition on that good and, uh, and that like. So I always was a people person and a performance person. And I, I lived in that box because I wanted people to love me. I wanted them to accept me. But actually, Jesus came to set me free from that because actually I wasn't living in the identity that Christ gave me, that Christ um, put upon me. I was living in an identity that was pushed upon me, if that makes sense. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah. So they destroyed all of these things that people had tried to put me in a box and I was set free that day. But actually, on that day, I had to really understand, I had to really get to grips with who God had called me to. You know, I spoke to Sophie this morning that God formed her in her mother's womb. Today, if you were born physically, God has formed you in your mother's womb. I don't care how your birth came about, how conception came about. I'm telling you now, that's a gift of life from God. And God puts certain gifts and abilities within you in the womb that you are created for purpose and greatness and destiny. And I want to speak that over you you today just so that you know that and when I gave my life to Jesus Jesus spoke those words to me he said you were created for destiny and purpose and greatness and blessing and that was a revelation to me now in these scriptures here Jesus was 30 years old when he gets baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan now Jesus at 30 years old he's not just suddenly appeared on earth he will have been doing life in his family, he will have been reading the scriptures, he will have been being taught by the rabbis and his family and everybody around him. He will have grown up in an environment that actually pointed him to God. He was 30 years old when he gets to this point. And Jesus, knowing that God has called him for purpose, identifies himself with the people that God has called him to. So the first point I want to make today, this is my first point by the way, how long have we got? Have I been going for 10 minutes? Five minutes there? No, we haven't. Um, Jesus identifies himself with fallen man. He identifies himself with the people that he's come to save, with mankind. How does he do that? Well, it's clear in the genealogy because what the uh, writer does, what Luke, the disciple, does, he says to us, okay, this is Jesus sent from God. He set aside the glory of heaven to come down to save God's people. And we sung that this morning. And to understand that fully, 
it, it, it will take much more than me unpacking it today. But all, all I can say to you is this, that the Jewish people thought Messiah was just for the Jews. But I'm telling you today that Jesus came for all, whether you're Jewish or Gentile, whether you're slave or free, whether you're a girl or a boy. He came for everybody. And this genealogy doesn't just chase, trace him back to uh, Abraham. It traces Jesus' birth back to God. So Jesus in Philippians sets aside the glory of heaven, takes on the form of a baby, comes and he's born at Christmas and grows in stature to the age of 30. And that's really when he starts his public ministry. And it's really important, this point, that we stop and pause here because John the Baptist was um, preaching a baptism of repentance. Now, you know as well as I do, when we get ourselves into trouble, we sometimes need help to get out, don't we? I'm often getting myself into trouble. I've had to learn, it's, it's true, I have, I've had to learn to, to stop my words. In, in James it talks about the power of the tongue. I have to be careful what I say because I often find myself in trouble. And John the Baptist, when he's preaching about repentance, have a baptism of water, John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. He came before Jesus, the era of the Old Testament. And the Old Testament was all about um, warning, about judgment, about the law. And this point here where Jesus gets baptized, he comes to John the Baptist and John the Baptist says to him, um, I, I can't baptize you, you are far more... Uh, um, you know, I'm not worthy to baptize you. You are the Messiah. You are the called one. But Jesus, knowing that he has to fulfill the prophecy, has to fulfill obedience, and has to go through that because the end of one era and the opening of another, he allows John to baptize him. Now, what we have to notice here is this, that as Jesus is being baptized in the Jordan, heaven opens. What, what does that say to you? What do you think that means? Anybody? Anyone? It's not a test. I'm just asking you. Because I find the word of God absolutely amazing. When you actually sit and read it, and it opens up another world to you, it's just incredible. What it means is, when Jesus went into the water and John baptized him with water, the heavens opened, and the voice of God spoke and said, This is my son, whom I'm well pleased with. But it, it's just not the words that's spoken. It's a revelation that comes from God the Father. So not only does Jesus identify himself with the people that he comes to save, because he goes for the physical um, baptism. He does what uh, other people are doing. He goes and he sees John. And what happens in the wilderness? People are flocking to John the Baptist because they want forgiveness. They want a way out of the mess that they've, they've found themselves in. They want a way out of the trouble that they've got themselves in. John the Baptist baptized with water. And you have to repent and be sorry for your sins. But that was it, really. It was just a ceremonial washing. Just You know, it's a bit like Isaac got out of the car this morning. He's running around. He falls in the mud. And Becky says to me, I haven't got any other jeans. He's going to be full of mud. I said, oh, it doesn't matter. Let it dry and just let it brush off. Sin's a bit like that. When we get ourselves in trouble, we do something wrong. We might tell a lie or a half lie. We, we might not be quite so pleasant with somebody. We might be a bit mean with somebody. Actually, it stains us. It stains us. Now, in the Old Testament, if you did anything wrong, if you lied, you stole, or you were mean with somebody, or you were cynical, or you were just horrible... And, and did things and broke the law then you could go and be baptised by John the Baptist but really your soul wasn't really cleansed but with Jesus things are so very different 
so very different, so very different, with a baptism of fire and the Holy Spirit. Jesus comes to baptize with fire and the Holy Spirit. Now, when Jesus dies on the cross and he's, he, he's brought back to life, he can bring that forgiveness because he identifies with the people that he comes to save. He's born of a virgin physically, but yet he had, his identity is found in the Father. So as, he ident- as we understand that he's come from the Father, he's actually he's a God and human. It's a bit hard to get your head around it. He's both fully human and fully God. And that's why we can have forgiveness of our sins because he came, he gave up his life, died on the cross and his blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Now the point of baptism in Jesus, so you've got your free gift of life there and Jesus identifies with the Father because when the voice from heaven comes and brings revelation, it's because heaven's open. Could you imagine that just for one moment? Just for one moment, let's just pause here. And imagine when you went outside, the sky disappeared and you saw the glory of heaven. Just imagine. Just imagine that for a moment. The glory of heaven. What does that look like to you? The glory of heaven. And a voice comes from heaven and says, this is my son. Steve, you are my son. And in you I am well pleased. That's what God says to you today. He's anointed you and appointed you. He's called you by name. He, he knit you together in your mother's womb. Could you imagine if the heavens open and you heard God say that to you? How that would radically change your lives. Well, actually, God is saying that to you today. That if you're in him, if you're baptized into him, then you're out of something that the world's put you in, into Christ. Yeah? I better just stick to my notes a little bit, aren't I? So Jesus also finds his identity in the Father because when heaven is open and the voice comes from heaven and speaks, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, those words are much more than what we read on the page because the theologians will say to you, and I believe this, that actually what God is saying in that is, you have my plan for mankind and salvation. So as God anoints Jesus with the, the coming of the Holy Spirit, so it's, it's physical and spiritual now. So he's fully man and fully God. He's moving not just in the physical, but in the spiritual as well. Before I was a Christian, before I got saved, before God came and cleansed me and set me free, I lived in the spiritual realm as well. And some spiritual realms that are not of God are not very nice. It's very dark, very lonely, very manipulative, and very fearful in those spheres. You think, as um, a gifted person, that when you have a gift that reads people and they give you some sort of um, story of what your future is going to hold, you think that's a gift from God. But if its foundation is not in Christ, then it's not from God. And let me tell you is, what happens is it appears very nice at first. It appears very good and very comfortable and very full of light. But it soon turns to darkness. So when I became a Christian, part of them clearing out my house was clearing out uh, symbols and signs and crystals, books, and things that I'd got involved in as a non-Christian that I was trapped into and in that box. But Christ 
with his power, his Holy Spirit power, that came into my house with the people that he sent, who were anointed and appointed for that purpose, set me free from all of that, cleared out my house of the poltergeists that were in there, and set me free, and set me on a path that has been full of blessings, and love, and um, fearlessness, and a future that's going to bless me. So today, if you don't know Christ, and you don't know the revelation and you've not been baptized into him if you want to talk about that more i'll gladly talk to you later and pray with you that will set you free from all of that because christ is the only one that can so as the voice from heaven comes and says this is my son in whom i am well pleased he anoints him for service and sends the holy spirit and the holy spirit here appears like a dove um, because Luke describes it as a dove so a dove to us is like a very peaceful bird in white isn't it that comes and will sit on somebody and that symbolises peace but actually in this context um, it, wasn't, it wasn't sort of um, obvious that actually that's what it was but Luke describes this Holy Spirit as a dove in bodily form so it's almost like a reality so um, what we have to sort of look at and observe here is that actually God, God gives the Holy Spirit to Jesus before actually he sends it to us. So Jesus then goes forth from that place um, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so again, it's physical and spiritual at this point. And the final point I want to make is Jesus identifies himself um, with this new humanity. So out is the old with John the Baptist and the law and judgment and not being able to live up to what God calls us to. In is this new era of the Holy Spirit. So at this point in history, it's really important to note that the prophets foretold that Jesus would come. So if you look at Psalms 2 and Isaiah 40, I haven't really got time to unpack that today. But if you get chance this week, just have a look at those two sets of scriptures in context of Jesus' um, baptism here. It talks about the authority and the anointing that God gives to Jesus at this point. And from this point forward, Jesus starts proclaiming this new kingdom that has come, this new era of grace, this new era where we can all receive the Holy Spirit. Now, at this point, he's 30 years old. He has three years preaching and teaching the word of God and talking about the kingdom of God coming um, on the earth. And, and you see in John um, 2, 3 and 4 that people that were learned and understood the scriptures, so in Nicodemus in John 3, doesn't understand what it means to be born again. doesn't understand actually that he needs to repent and receive the Holy Spirit and put his faith in Jesus. The woman at the well is... Um, much more successful in that because as she goes to the well for a drink of water Jesus engages with her and he says to her I'll give you water living water that actually you'll never be thirsty again and that's one of my favorite pieces of scriptures because that's how I saw myself a woman in sin who went to Jesus and was so thirsty that I received from him this living water and so all sort of in the beginnings of John, you see that people just don't understand what Jesus is saying. They don't understand this revelation of this new era of grace. And that if you put your faith in Jesus, um, you know, you could have freedom and a new life in him. They don't understand that. But like I say, if you listen to God, if you identify yourself with him and build your identity in him and understand what the scripture is saying to us, you can have that new life in him. So Jesus, he comes at the point in history where the old 
the prophets and the old way of um, living, it ceases. And this is a new way of living. It's a new era. It's the kingdom of God coming in this place. And we really find that fulfillment, actually, when Jesus goes to the cross, gives up his life, and he goes to the Father. So this morning we sang a song that where Jesus descended into hell, and he rose again on the third day. And some theologians believe that as Jesus died on the cross and he descended into hell, he actually fought the spirits and the evil forces and overcame them. So part of this anointing and appointing of the Holy Spirit really is to um, empower Jesus for the mission that God has called him to. So today, if you've been baptized into Jesus Christ, then you have a mission you have a mission to the world. You have an appointing and an anointing. You have the Holy Spirit and an anointing there so that you can go into your mission field. And often what happens is people, they stagnate there. They stagnate there. And I'll tell you why in a minute. But Jesus goes on to fulfill his ministry and he takes his place and he takes up the cross and he dies on the cross. And he is risen again to newness of life. And he goes up to the Father in heaven and he sends the Holy Spirit for us so that we can all have the Holy Spirit and we've all got access to it today. And we see that in um, John 14 and 15. It clearly states there that as he goes to heaven, he sends another advocate, a friend, another counsellor so that we are not alone. And when we're baptised in the Holy Spirit, then actually we are then empowered for service and we're appointed and anointed with authority and supernatural power. So this model here, this picture of what we see Jesus doing, going in obedience and being physically baptised... And the heavens open and a voice from heaven says, this is my son. I appoint you and I anoint you today for service. It's a picture of what we have access to. It's just a prophetic picture. So if, you're, if you've not been baptised, then you need to speak to Pastor Dave or Pastor Steve or Pastor Russ today. You need to ask them to be baptised, not just in water, but in the Holy Spirit, because that will empower you for service. Now, just getting back to my point of being in the box people on the course the guy who was running the course he talked about triggers and he said there are certain triggers that will put you in a box so one of my triggers before I became a Christian and just after I became a Christian is somebody told me that I couldn't do something that was a trigger that would say yeah yeah I can you know um, my early life uh, as a young teenage person and young sort of 20s um you know, I made some bad decisions and some not not evil decisions, but decisions really that didn't I wasn't didn't find myself in a place where actually my life was full of blessing or even peace. And uh, my mum and dad used to say to me, and my mum and dad love me. I come from a very loving, very supportive family background. They'd say to me, "Well, you've made your bed, you've got to lie in it." And I don't know whether anybody's ever said that to you. You know, you made a decision. You made the decision. You've, got to, you've just got to stand in it and live in it, or sit in it and lie in it, whatever it is. But you know, I, I, I got up one day and I said, no, actually, I don't have to. I'm going to remake my bed. Well, the problem with that attitude, it comes from an attitude of rebellion. It comes from an attitude of, well, I'll just show you. You know, I'll just show you. So I did, of course. I got up and I remade my bed. And actually, when I looked at it, it was more messy than before. It, it really was. You know, because the trigger that put me in the box 
Um, it, it put me in a box where I just, just sort of said, I'm going to say no to the world and no to conformity and no to this and no to that. But the problem with that is it puts you in a place of difficulty. It puts you in a place of, um, well, it ostracizes you and it separates you from community because you think you know better. You think you know better than everybody else around you is trying to give you wide words and, and a bit of wisdom. And the problem is you get stuck in a smaller box because you then actually, you've cut off family, you've cut off friends and you, you're in the box where you can't move at all. So today, if you've got some triggers that have put you in a box or uh, that have spoken to your identity that actually is not of God and, and, and you want to get out, well... I know a guy who can get you out of that. I know a guy called Jesus who can set you free today from all of that. Because Jesus comes to baptize you with holy fire and the Holy Spirit. He will empower you for service. He will give you a future full of blessings and love and just excitement. You know, Dave and I have been married 20 years this year. I've been a Christian 20 years. 20 years this year and I love Jesus more now than I did when I started and boy was I in love with Jesus because he set me free from some horrible horrible stuff so as I was baptized into Jesus I found my I built my identity on him so people used to think I was a bit quirky I had multiple personality syndrome so if I was in an environment where people thought I was a blonde bimbo well I'd act like a blonde bimbo but I'd outplay them and I'd outrun them and I'd outsmart them. If I was in an environment amongst my family and I was the daughter, I'd play the daughter role, which is absolutely right and good and proper. And I used to, still at 27, do as my mum and dad told me because I thought that was the right thing to do. Scripture says, honour your mum and dad. But sometimes your mum and dad have not got the wisdom of God. So they'll speak words of wisdom or words of encouragement to you that might not be quite right if they've not got the wisdom of God. So they just wanted me to be happy, but in doing that, I found myself in a place that I actually, I wasn't happy, so I was living for them. Do, do you understand that? And that's not a wrong thing for them, because they want to see me happy, but actually if you're not true to yourself, and you're not doing what God's called you to, then actually you'll never be happy. You'll never be happy with that. So if you find that you're in Christ today and you identify with him and you're full of the Holy Spirit and the anointing, then you're blessed, you're chosen, you've got a destiny, you're adopted, you're forgiven, you're redeemed, you're set free, you're given an inheritance and you know where you're going. So whatever happens, I've been saved 20 years. Most of my years in God have been fruitful, abundant, glorious. Some of the years have been tragic terrible and hard and painful i've faced some stuff that I, I i pray you'll never ever have to face some decisions and some some circumstances that have been horrendous but actually i know where i'm going and i know god works everything out to conformity in him everything works together for the good of those who are in christ jesus so today if you're facing struggle or hardship or pain and it's hard then listen God is for you, he's not against you. So the point I'm trying to draw out here is this, that as Jesus is in the Jordan and heaven's open and God speaks his word to Jesus, he said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus at that point, I believe, starts to understand the call that God has called him to, that he's going to his death. He's not going to a party, a physical party. He's not going to have 
um, a glorious life. He goes to a people who don't want to hear his message. He goes to a people who spit on him and ridicule him. He goes to a people who try to kill him consistently. And God saves him from all of that because his time has not yet come. He goes to a people that are ever hearing but never understanding. He goes to the Jewish nation who don't, they, they say he's full of the devil. So, you know, at this point um, in his ministry, he starts to understand actually the weight and the enormity of what God has called him to. And often in the Christian life, God calls us to something much bigger and more awesome than ourselves. But the problem is we never get that far because we're in our boxes. We, 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 we love all the blessing and, and all the loveliness of God and all the words of encouragement and prophecy. That's absolutely fantastic. But when God calls us to a people or a community where we have to speak words of truth and words of life to them, but yet we're rejected and we're spat on and we're called and we're ridiculed and we're made fun of, we soon get back in our box because it's more comfortable. I'm going to stay in my box because it's more comfortable here. I'm not going to say anything to anybody because it's more comfortable here. And that's just the physical response from people in the world. But there's also a spiritual response. So if you understand today that you're called of Christ, you're in him, you're found in him, and you're anointed and you're appointed, your authority and your anointing, if you're not careful, can be robbed. Because what does the devil come to do? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he can keep you in that box, he will keep you in that box. He will keep you there, mooted, quiet, locked down and locked in and often as Christians when the going gets tough we don't get going we sit in the box I'm challenging you today folks I'm telling you today that you need to get out your boxes, get into the community or your people group and start to speak words of truth now let's do it with grace let's do it with grace and love and caring and kindness but let's do it you know, because Jesus' call and his anointing on his life was powerful. And it's the same for me and you. The anointing and the call on your life is powerful. And the devil will not want you to speak out on his behalf. The devil, um, when Christ set me free, when Jesus set me free from the horror that I was living, from all of the darkness and the spiritual realm that I was living in, the devil did all that he could to cause disunity and discord in my life. When I gave my life to Christ um, in 95, all hell broke loose. Dave's just tapping his watch. Am I all right for five minutes? Yeah. All hell broke loose. Literally. Now, I need to tell you this. It was awful. My friends thought I'd lost my mind. My family didn't understand it. I gave up, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff. And I went and got a cleaning job. And I decided to follow Christ. And you would think, giving my life to Christ, because well-meaning Christians had said to me, um, your life will be perfect from here on in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like all hell broke loose. And it was a fight, a continual fight. But God is a gracious God. In his anointing and his Holy Spirit set me apart and set me free and protected me from all sorts of stuff. And the miraculous worked powerfully but this is the thing guys you have to put your faith in God you have to stand and stand firm 
because actually the devil wants to cause disunity. He wants to confuse you and he wants you to think that actually God has not called you what he's called you to. He wants to speak over your identity and tell you that's not the case. But let me tell you this. You know, as Jesus goes from this place into the wilderness, the devil knows how powerful he is. And he tempts him with several things, doesn't he? I haven't got time to go into it because Pastor Dave's like, come on, come on, come on. But but I'm telling you now, if you stand on your um, anointing and you understand your appointing and you understand the authority that you move in, the devil will be shaking in his boots. And, And listen, over this last couple of weeks, my authority and my anointing and my appointing have been questioned to the point of, you would not believe. The power of words spoken over me has been incredible. And I've had to say to my manager, do you understand the power of those words you've spoken over me? Do you understand what that does to me? It potentially puts me back in a box. But if you go with love and grace and mercy and the love of Christ that that God has poured into you, then actually you can set the captives free through the power of the word of God. You can set people free. The deaf will receive their hearing. The blind will be able to see. People will be healed. The captives will be set free because of the appointing and the anointing on your life. The model and the example that we have is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, who died on the cross, shed his blood so that we could be cleansed. And he doesn't just set us apart and set us on our way with nothing. He empowers us with the divine, supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? You're all looking very sort of, oh. I'm living testimony. I lived in a dark, dire, horrendous, dark place. A lonely, isolated, marginalised, got at, single parent, on benefits, no money, ridiculed, laughed at and poked fun at. And Christ took hold of me. He set me free. He put me on his rock. Christ the rock. He anointed me and he appointed me. Give me a future. You know, I've got three, two, two degrees now. I'm educated. You know, I, I am educated. God has done that. He has supernaturally accelerated my learning capacity. He has moved my heart so that I'm merciful and gracious and loving towards mankind and my fellow um, brother or sister. He has done some amazing, miraculous things in me. And if he's done it for me, he can do it for you. And this point in history where Jesus comes and brings this new era is pivotal for the Christian. Because actually, with the first Adam, Adam in the garden, the first Adam, he took the apple and he bit it. And all fall short of the glory. All was condemned through him. Through the second Adam, Jesus, the one death on the cross, all can come to God and all can access that glory and that hope today. Amen? Amen. Right, I'm just going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that anything of me will fall to the floor, but your words are powerful. They are words of destiny, words of encouragement today, words of challenge, Lord, words of mission, words of life. And I pray, Lord, that they would take root in the people's heart. And, Lord, they would come to fruition, that people would understand your revelation, that as heaven opens and you send your Holy Spirit to Jesus in the Jordan, Lord, that that's a model, a picture, a prophetic picture for us, the people of God. And I pray, Lord, that you would just bless his people, that you would bless them abundantly, Lord. And thank you, Lord, for this privilege and this opportunity of bringing your word today in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.
Brilliant. We're going to go for some coffee. Before we do that, um, let's stand. I'd just like to pray a blessing over you. And um, if you have any questions or if you want to talk about any of the stuff that Sue has been talking about today, please uh, talk to one of us. Um, any one of us will do. And uh, let's get those questions answered. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for all of your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that you're speaking to us, that you're touching our lives, that you're changing us. And uh, I just want to pray, Lord, over this gathering this morning, that you would bless us. I pray that the Lord would bless you, that he would give you a serious case of the happies, that this week would be filled with smiles and laughter because you know that you walk in the blessing of the living God. I pray that he would draw close to you, that you would know his presence, that you would sense the warmth of his smile over your life, uh, Lord, that you would uh, give each one favor and that you would open doors that are closed, that you would give direction, that you would give wisdom. And I pray, Lord, that you would fill uh, our lives with your wonderful supernatural peace, that we would live and work uh, with a sense of rest and a sense of purpose that can only come from you, and that our lives, Lord, would bring glory to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.